This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi guys, welcome in. This is the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. Pretty pumped about uh, some discussions here post-draft and talking to, um, you know, a bunch of different guests as we as we look at where the Browns will take these draft picks, talk about the film reviews, and talk about any number of different things you guys want us to talk. we got some exciting plans for where we're taking the channel uh, at some point. You know, we're going we're gonna to do some fun coach study things and talk about football 101s and how this group uh, connects with uh, whatever they do next year, you know, personnel-wise, translating to defensive schemes, offensive schemes, what they're going to do to innovate. We'll do as many different things as we can. I want to welcome on to the show good friend of mine, John Colosimo, who does a great job with his Nothing But The Dogs podcast, and uh, his, his uh, co-host, Mike Krupka. John, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, Jake? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're going to talk real quick about the day three picks and what we thought of them. Uh, there was a there was really only one pick in there that I was um, thinking they would make. Put it that way. Uh, not that I didn't like the picks, but just one that I was thinking they would make. So I, I just kind of love want to know your thoughts on those those day three names and who stood out to you, and even Marvin Wilson, who seems to be like an extra seventh round draft pick, essentially. Yeah, I think Marvin Wilson as much as uh, most of those picks. To be honest, it looked like uh, a lot of these picks were. Uh, either <clears throat> kind of taking some shots on some some guys that uh, may have been a little bit under the radar or for specific purposes. Uh, you know, obviously, in terms of when we're looking at the season, um, you know, Tommy is the one who stands out as somebody that I wanted um, uh, and had targeted as uh, some depth at the three tech. You know, so that would be the one that stands out. And then you get some um, extra DT help uh, signing the big uh, UDFA contract with Wilson. Uh, the rest of them, to be honest, um, not a ton to get excited about here as we sit here and now, from my view. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was, if you start with the fourth round pick, James Hudson, I, I certainly, I did not expect that route to be taken. We talked leading up to this thing about, um, I would say we talked leading up to this about the need of alignment at some point. You know, they have Michael Dunn, who I thought played really well in week 17 when they uh, were forced to, to play him for Joel Batonio on, on the COVID list. I thought he actually flashed uh, usable skills in, 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 in this offensive structure. 
and put good tape again. I even think he dominated Cam Hayward to an extent. So I did enjoy his tape. Not dominated, but he kept Cam Hayward at bay, which is something that Joel Batonio has struggled with at times, as great as Joel Batonio is. And then Blake Hans came in, you know, the whole phrase, I met a guy named Blake in the locker room. <laughs> I did not think Blake Hans had translatable skills. Nice guy, I'm sure. Uh, he, he arrived off of the Jets practice squad and, and all of that. So I don't really, as I sit here, I don't really totally see how he's a long-term part of this thing because, in my opinion, you have two good players coming back um, in, in the, along the interior. With, I've already mentioned uh, Michael Dunn. I actually am pretty high on um, Nick Harris in terms of being a center. I don't think Nick Harris can be a guard, but I do think he can be a center of the future. And then I do think – I, I definitely think Drew Forbes has potential. We haven't really seen Drew Forbes in a, in a in a in a functional setting yet, but I think they liked him enough to draft him, and I think there's something there with him along the interior. He had a pretty good preseason, so I like him um, and, and and think there's three functional interior guys there. I just thought that there was going to be interest to either replace uh, Kendall Lamb or 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 replace him down the line, Chris Hubbard. So. You know what you're looking at there from a decision-making process on their end. I didn't expect tackle because I thought they were fine, but this is, John, in my opinion, is tangible proof that they're looking at the big long game here in terms of what does what does this team look like when two three years down the road? You know, could they move on from Wyatt Teller? Could Jack Conklin meet an age decline play kind of thing at some point? They want to have a plan. So what, in my opinion, their thought is we want a guy who has tackle ability with guard translatable skills they have that with James James Hudson I post a little clip I've started to study him I'm impressed I really like some of his tape I definitely see a moldable piece of clay for for uh, Bill Callahan to work with and I I really see a fit inside this offensive line structure because it, it relies so much on even if they're a gap scheme team power counter stuff where they're pulling guards you need athleticism, and he has a ton of athleticism. We all know how much athleticism it takes from your tackles to go from you know down the line and wide zone scheme stuff. So pretty pumped about what I think he can become. Again, I posted a clip on my Twitter feed uh, there listed below my name here about what I think he can he can do in this offense. I'll write up a whole film room about where he ultimately fits, uh, but I think that there's something there, and I certainly see – the, the, they wanted another tackle. You know, I, I don't think we're going to see players on the COVID-19 list this year. I don't think that's going to be a thing. But you want as many of these guys as you can. They loved his athleticism. If you listen to their press conferences, they were eager to get him in if they could and couldn't believe he was still available. So, you know, it could not work out. But ultimately, I see where they're coming from. And what I try to do with this stuff, John, is see where they're where they're coming from. I will say the Tony Fields pick, we'll talk about Tommy Togia in a second because I know you and I both watch Ohio State. We have opinions on him. But the Tony Fields from West Virginia take to me was if they had a corner up early, they liked, uh, or an edge, they were going to take them. They liked JOK, but I don't think they thought he would even get to them. I think that they were really worried about that, and they knew that they were going to prioritize a corner or, or the right defensive end. And um, they get Greg Newsom, and then they're going into day two thinking, okay, if we don't get JOK at some point here, whether he gets snatched up in the 30s, whatever, we really like the, the, the Tony Fields pick here because he's pretty similar. Similar height, similar size, similar rangy ability. I don't think he's as instinctive, and I don't think he can play well linebackers effectively, but I certainly saw him as a guy that was like insurance policy to, to JOK. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I think that's the first thing that stood out to me immediately is the uh, similar body type to GOK. It's just like a kind of mirror image, even though the athleticism isn't really in the same in the same ballpark. However, in short area, um, at least when you watch uh, some of the clips of him, you can definitely see uh, that this is, and it's interesting, I think, in the sense that um, that they really did have a plan for this type of player in their defense, um, you know, having this guy on their radar. Now, JOK, I'm sure, opens up an entirely different set of possibilities for this position, but I think it definitely shows that um, they did have this role that they were looking to go towards um, at weak side linebacker. Yeah, I'm throwing up that, that Hudson tape. If you did not get a chance to check out my Twitter feed, I wanted to put that up and, and give you guys a visual aid of kind of his SMU game. That is the first one that I started watching, and I was like, well, okay, okay, there's something here. Nasty finisher, all that fun stuff, um, and moves well in space. And I'll have some some clips of him moving in space, and there's a lot of senior bowl footage too. So, um, yeah, but I'm with you, John. Overall, like, I'm definitely a believer in uh, keeping the, the big picture available, and, and – I I see a little bit of reshaping of the linebacker room. I think they really think Tony Fields is going to be a part of their linebacker room and certainly a guy who I could see being a special teams whiz and a guy who could be on all special teams and sort of be a fringe linebacker. What it tells me is this. Even though they brought back Malcolm Smith, he's not guaranteed to make the roster. Even though Mac Wilson has played two years of football in Cleveland, has not even finished his rookie, he's going to be in his third year, not safe on the roster. I think Taki Taki's your best as a thumper, Sam, maybe 10, 15 snaps a game. I think they definitely like Jacob Phillips to be a long-term player for them uh, in terms of a guy who can play Will and Mike. He proved that he could play Mike in that Week 17 game against Pittsburgh. And then I certainly think they're going to keep Anthony Walker for at least a year. So there's questions in that linebacker room. We'll break down each of them at some point. I'm not pulling for anybody to be cut. I'm not pulling for you know, Mal- Malcolm Smith or, or Mac or anybody to be cut, but there's, it's just too much talent. They've influenced, they've, even if you want to say JOK is a safety, which I can, I can buy that. I think he does his best work in the slot. They'll get him inside the tackle box at some point. So yeah, listen, I, 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 I think the only pick that truly caught me by surprise was the Richard LeCount pick because I hadn't even considered that player at that point. I think Trill Williams was still on the board who a lot of us in the pre-draft lead up liked a ton. But I get it. I think I see him as a Sheldrick Redwine competing player who can who can be a better coverage player than, uh, than than run defender, but they need a center field type guy. And I think Sheldrick has a little experience with that, but they want to challenge him. You know, the guy late at pick 211, you want to challenge that guy to make the roster and beat out uh, Sheldrick. So those two, I think, will, 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 will certainly be in competition. I do know Trill Williams went undrafted. I'm aware I, there's a disconnect there. I think that every year it happens where – uh, a, a player just doesn't quite meet what Twitter thinks, and the, and the NFL has something more on him. Um, so I don't know. But someone said, I, I don't understand the Tony Fields pick. To me, it felt like they were going to pick Tony Fields no matter what, whether they got JOK or not. He was the insurance policy, but they like him so much that they think he's going to fit in at some point. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the thing that happened, John, that I was, was – particularly interested in was a lot of people kept telling me they weren't going to make nine picks. They weren't going to make nine picks. And while they only made eight picks, right? I think it's eight. Uh, while they only made eight picks, that's still a lot of picks. So, uh, you know, I think they want to challenge the bottom of this roster and, and they want to challenge guys who are fringe players at the bottom of this roster to, to, to push themselves to prove that there's, they're better than what they have shown so far. And I look at guys like, like Mac Wilson. I look at guys like, uh, Sheldrick Redwine. I look at guys in, in, in the cornerback room, like, you know, is MJ Stewart a guaranteed player anymore? I don't know. 
is up front, Jordan Elliott. I know he's only in year two, but they need something more from him. Talk about Tommy Togiai because you got Andrew Billings, who I'm high on. They, they signed Malik Jackson. Then it's like, okay, which one do you want to keep around long-term? Maybe they keep Elliott and Togiai. I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't speak out of, out of pocket there. Like, there, there might be some – I just was not impressed by Jordan Elliott. So, to me, it kind of rang out as like, okay, we really want another young piece of this defensive tackle room. I just think Jordan Elliott was – We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Slow off the football, didn't use his hands, didn't play with power, was pegged as this pass rush specialist from Pro Football Focus. Like, wasn't he like their highest graded pass rush guy last he year? Was. And I didn't see any of that in his first year. So, you know, I maybe, maybe and I think the Martin, the biggest thing is the Marvin Wilson signing tells me that they really want to push this young group to be better and figure out who is going to stick and who isn't. So, um, I mean, did you like Tommy Togi out of high state? I thought the Clemson game, he was dominant. Over 40 bench reps at the Combine. Very powerful player. He had some some real reps against Penn State, too. Uh, I think we had him as number two on our top 10 Browns big board at that point. We were pretty pumped about uh, that potential landing spot for him, and then it worked out. Yeah, I mean, we were all looking, I think, for a little beef on the interior at some point. Um, and uh, I think he, he came in at a good spot. Um, he's just a guy that there's not a lot to, you know, to look at from. He just didn't take a ton of snaps for Ohio State. You know, I, I really regret that he wasn't able to play in that Alabama game. I would have loved to have seen, yeah. you know, two back-to-back games against top competition there. But he, he certainly just destroyed Clemson in that in that game. I mean, it was like a single-handed just um, massacre up front uh, by him. So, you know, there's a lot to like there. Um, you know, there, there's some guy, but there, you know, like a lot of these guys this year, uh, you get you find guys on both sides of the coin. There's people out there that don't like him at all. And people that love them. So, you know, I, they're going to come in and um, and see what they got from them. That's just – this is such a weird year in terms of, like, you're never going to see this again. You're not going to see a guy drafted with this many snaps, I don't think, um, in terms of – what do you have, like 200 snaps? Like 248 or something like that. He did not play a ton. And he didn't play a ton the year before. And, and kind of in the year before even that, I think his freshman year he had – like 50 something. He has not played a ton of snaps, played like 200 each over the last two years. And, um, but you do, you see a powerful player who can maintain balance when he's, when he's, when contact is made, he maintains balance. He's able to reassert himself. If he gets a double team, he's able to anchor. He's able to work through split, get skinny. I think he takes the shock of an initial hit and is able to, like I said, stay on balance and find a way to still use a disruptive move. So 
he is a very, very much project player who is going to be worked with and uh, formed into what they hope he can become, which is a powerful three, in my opinion, three tech outside shoulder of the guard. I think that that's where they want to see him is get some pressure from that position. That's what he played in predominantly at Ohio State last year. I need to listen to interviews from coaches and scouting department to hear if they have any other different plan there. But for the most part, that's kind of how I see him. So they wanted a young defensive tackle. He's very strong. He's 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 still quite athletic. Uh, he's still raw. Still got a lot to do. But the thing that struck me again was the young age is the big thing. I think the Richard LeCount pick where he was was something like he turns twenty three on in September is the first example we have, or may, maybe uh, the Felton, Demetri Felton, which I have to I have to watch him. I have not studied him whatsoever. Actually, I think he's the old one. He's 22 he going on 23 in September. So that's the new youngest example we have. It used to be Jordan Elliott was 22 going on 23 in um, November. But now that's the thing. So when we're looking at this stuff down the road, uh, I'll do deep dives on all of these guys' podcasts with local beat writers who can talk a little bit more about these guys uh, intricately so you guys can have a feel for who these guys are. And I'll talk about everything about them once I write them up. So this is not the last time you'll hear me talk about these day three guys or the, the first day uh, first two day guys, but um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, to, in my opinion, you know how how much people start to understand the age guideline. The age guideline is the biggest guideline. They'll take athletic risks going forward. Like their early picks are all hyper athletic on the relative athletic score. You see it on Twitter. Rass uh, Math Bomb puts those up. Um, I think it's it, they they definitely trend young, 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 young. And they'll bend a little bit on athletes day three in terms of not being the most, the most explosive athlete, but you're still going to be on the young side, 21, 22. And then we, we got an example of a guy who can be 23 in his rookie year. We'll see if he even makes the roster. But, um, yeah, listen, an interesting day. I think they added positions. I like Tony Fields because I like athletic players in your second level, your defense. James Hudson has desirable traits. Um, you know, ultimately, I think uh, – I think – LeCount is tough. I could see him challenging. He's a he's a highly regarded prospect going into Georgia. Uh, did not meet expectations there, uh, but but Felton could be a listen. Like Felton could be a guy who is a a player who could could challenge Dearness Johnson as the third running back and a returner, and he's got wide receiver skills, so they might like him potentially as like a down the line if 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 they re-sign Nick Chubb and maybe Kareem Hunt wants to go to another opportunity as somebody with a diverse pass catching skill set like Felton going to be a player that they could eye sliding into running back too. We'll see. That's kind of what it is. Definitely day three is all about looking at the future and that's what they did. So uh, like I said, I will talk about these guys in nauseam. They, somebody has made a good point uh, that I heard, which is that they, I, you know, they didn't talk about, they didn't add a, they didn't add a defensive end. Well, they might view Curtis Weaver as their rookie defensive end. You know, the guy didn't play all last year, didn't even get a camp in. Uh, there might be a way at which his, uh, um, you know, he's viewed as like, hey, we got this rookie defensive end that we like here, so we'll go from there. And next year, my eyes are going to probably be on wide receiver and another edge. So we'll, we'll deal with 2022 way down the line. But uh, Felton, if Felton stays, as question that was posed, if Felton stays, then I would guess he's probably the third back, and I can't see them keeping four running backs, so it would be Dearness leaving. And I like Dearness. You know, he's he made some plays. He definitely, um, you know, he definitely – I think Dearness had the closing run there against Indianapolis, a big third down run there to, to close that game out. And then he had a, against the, uh, the Cowboys had a couple nice runs. He had 75, 80 yards in that game too. I think he's a fine back, but he's playing behind 
two of the best running backs in the NFL, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You're really not going to see a ton of time there. So, you know, we'll talk about picks later. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about dime defense uh, stuff. I mean, do you have any particulars you're interested in? Because Joe Woods has talked about he's comfortable playing dime. He wants to play 400 snaps of dime is a thing he likes to do in any given season. They were only able to play 16 or so snaps of dime last year, which is really hard to go find that needle in a haystack and find those 16 dime snaps. But, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. Do you think they'll be in dime a lot? Do you think they have the personnel for it? Now, which I should say dime, you're usually looking at three down linemen, a couple linebackers, and six defensive backs. So um, that's your 11, six defensive backs, and and you can change interchange corners and safeties. I think – they probably feel pretty good about that structure right now with JOK providing versatility there. So like a dime look to me is give you personnel ideas. I wish I had a fancy graphic up in front of me, but a dime look to me, John, would be your two outside corners are Newsom and, and, and Denzel. You can make Greedy your inside guy. Uh, you're obviously going to have Troy Hill as your third inside, your third corner inside. Then you could put Greedy or safety. You could put Ronnie Harrison or whatever if you wanted to between Greedy and Ronnie, however teams want to match up. Uh, you could put your two safeties would be John and um, Delpit if Delpit's healthy or if Delpit's not quite ready to go, you put him back and put Greedy in the slot or whatever or JOK in the slot. And if you put JOK in the slot, then that gives you Anthony Walker, Jacob Phillips or Malcolm Smith and Jacob Phillips because they're a little bit more adept at coverage. And then you're playing three guys up front, Tack, uh, Miles and, and Genevian or Genevian, Miles and a big guy up front. You know, maybe you're playing Malik, Malik, uh, Jackson in there. I don't know. That's just kind of the idea of what it is. I will remind everybody, too, before I let John talk about this. We are doing a draft show tomorrow night, a QA. and uh, Myself, I'll be there. Uh, we'll have some others from the OBR there. We're going to take specific questions on these draft picks. I'm going to study my face off over the next day or so and have good answers for you on these guys. But uh, uh, just talk about Dime. I know you're interested in it, man. So I guess what I was wondering then is uh, <clears throat> maybe a little bit more – usage of dime, say some third and long packages where they use four, four down linemen and have one one linebacker and 60 Vs. I guess what I was wondering is if, if, if you wanted to give that kind of a look, um, you know, having a guy like JOK, is he capable of playing that middle spot? Um, I went and looked up, you know, some of the responsibilities over the last weekend trying to kind of get my head into this. Um, it's an interesting package, you know, when you talk, you know, after a sack from Miles, you're looking at third and 13, um, you throw that, you know, that full pass rush package in front of them. Um, you know, JOK can, you know, he can, he can mirror a guy like uh, uh, Lamar or at least attempt to. Um, he can, um, he could blitz um, in, in that situation. And you could be looking at a three safety, three, um, you know, three cornerback look. That was kind of like what I had in my head. Um, I, I do want to say, uh, I, that would Jay or uh, excuse me, uh, Nathan screwed that up. He he misheard that. I went back and listened to that interview again a little more closely. What Joe Woods actually said was that in the past, in other places, he had run up to 400 snaps, and then he mentioned that he only ran 16 last year. And then about two seconds sentences later, he said, "Actually, I consider myself a nickel guy." So I, I think oh. Nathan misinterpreted that. It's been run okay. with by me, by me, by by everybody I know. So I ran with it until I listened to it that second time. So I don't think it's really this 400 snap thing. I think he wants to run more of it. I think maybe some of the looks that I, you know, I just tossed out there as maybe an example might be something that he could do. Um, you know, but I think you're probably looking in the more, you know, 100, 200 snap thing. And we're going to play 
real bass nickel. And I think Nathan just got a little over exuberant about it. And, um, you know, I did too. I listened to it myself the first time. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely think that they could, what they could do is, I mean, they're just the easiest sub packages having JOK and he's your, one of your linebackers. He's playing your nickel backer. You got Troy Hill in the slot. And if you want to pluck a defensive lineman off the field in those situations, all I would do is slide JOK to the slot, run Malcolm Smith onto the field and yank Andrew Billings off the field. That well, that all then you ultimately get that turn. Or some teams will do this, John, where they'll take they'll leave four in. That you can run dime with four defensive linemen. You could just yank a linebacker. You could take out um, maybe Anthony Walker or, or whatever, yank him off the field and run in another player uh, or whatever you want to do. Some some teams will play six DB one linebacker four down D lineman. Some teams will run dime as three two six. So. Um, whatever you want to do there, but this, like the nickel, and you can also run three three five nickel too if you want to get crazy. You can run, you know, you can run your two D ends and a head up zero nose, run three backers, put JOK in the slot. So you have Anthony Walker, you have Jacob Phillips, JOK in the slot, and Choice and Troy Hill in the other slot. Like that's the idea. But it's just it's going to be how many tight ends does this team use? We play against. Do they like to run? You know, you don't see a ton of eleven or sorry ten personnel in the NFL where there's, there's four wide, you know, Pittsburgh does more of it than a lot of teams do, but most of the time you're going to get a tight end. Does that team to like to take like Travis Kelsey, put him in the slot. Does that team like to split their tight end out? Or if they put his hand in the ground, okay, how are we going to alter that so that we're able to handle different slide fronts and things like that? So I, I I'm interested. I think the dime stuff was a little overblown now that you said that. And my, and really like the, why the reason it's been going through my head is I would love to see a package where, we don't have any of those other linebackers in, you know, yeah. there's, there's none of them. Do I really want in that dime package? If you could have a proficient, you know, guy playing that linebacker spot, like a JOK, you can actually play coverage. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't leave, it doesn't leave, you know, a Huckleberry out there for them to pick on, you know, whenever they're looking for a first down. That's why I've been interested in somebody like Brian Poole, who's still sitting in free agency, because in a scenario, could you play dime, whatever, uh, and have JOK just be your Mike, your Mike Middle in that situation, which is not something he really did at Notre Dame. So I think that was your original right. question: Could he do it? He didn't really do. He didn't really do that. But that doesn't mean he can't do it. Can he be your middleman? Okay. Can he be your one backer? You slide down um, John Johnson because John Johnson did a ton of that for the Rams last year. Uh, Brandon Staley, the new Chargers coach, talked about that how he was their green dot guy because he could come down and take take advantage of using him in the box because they had a weak linebacker situation the Rams did last year. So that's something he's comfortable doing. At that point, you take your two deep safeties. You have Delpit and Ronnie Harrison as your two deep guys. And then you have Greedy in the slot. You have Troy in the slot. You have Newsom outside and you have Denzel outside. Or if you want to slide Denzel inside because he's comfortable doing whatever because he's so damn good, he's played slot snaps. You can have that option too and play Greedy outside. That's why I think they need one more corner. Uh, I don't know if they'll go spend on somebody like, you know, if they'll go spend on someone like Brian Poole or Steven Nelson, but they need to get somebody. I kind of said earlier, maybe somebody from the Malcolm Smith market, like uh, like like the Malcolm Smith was uh, a veteran linebacker who comes in late to camp. Is there somebody like that who you could trust to be heady? I would, if I was going to get Gary and Conley, for example, I would go get him early because I want him to learn the system early. He doesn't have a ton of experience adapting to a ton of different things. So I hope they add. I don't think the roster is done. It'll be really interesting as we sit down and look at this thing, John, in the coming months, you know, mixing up, getting this thing on a whiteboard. And I'm sure that's just funny because that's what 
that's what they said you know in these interviews the, the deep Podesta did after getting jok and andrew barry and stefanski kind of have said like man they're down there in the coach's office drawing it up i'm sure they're doing what we're doing right here which is okay imagine we take this guy off the field and put him in and we run three down dime this time or we run three three five nickel or they could get really crazy and one one five one five five nickel which is just a ton of linebackers and speedy guys on the field, and you just confuse people up front. So it could get really wild. But I do think that they need to add another corner. I would love another corner, whether he's inside or outside versatility. I think they need to add one. That's kind of why while we were going through the draft. We were talking about this and think, man, True Williams will be a lot of fun because he's a corner. He played a lot of slot snaps at Syracuse. He played some safety snaps at Syracuse. Some outside, he could be a projectable outside corner. So we were a little confused by that. They have a plan. I I, I truly believe they would have if they wanted a second corner. They had a plan uh, in place. If they didn't get one that they liked, that there's something out there for them. So we'll, we'll have to trust them on that. We're about 27 minutes. It was a ton of fun. Save all of your questions, guys. Please, 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 for tomorrow's draft q and I'm going to post on this on the OBR Twitter in just a moment. Uh, we're going to have all any and all draft questions. I'll try to have some, some tape there of all of these guys to show during this draft Q&A. We'll talk about the picks uh, there's been about 200 of you hanging out tonight. I love it. Appreciate it. We had a great weekend at the OBR with you guys. Somehow we had 1,000 people on two of the nights and 900 on day three. It was absolutely bananas how many of you people showed up. So we're awesome. Uh, it's really awesome, and we appreciate how much support you've given us. John, thanks for coming on tonight, man, and we'll keep doing this every week, bro. Sounds good, man. I'll see you next week. Okay, check it out for the night, guys. Long weekend, busy. Going to go plant my face on a pillow and try to get some sleep and catch up with you tomorrow night at the Q&A. So appreciate all of you for joining and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.